0: All righty, the morning's rolling right along. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And just to make sure you're still out there, good morning once again. All right, good. All right, we're getting better at this. And welcome, once again, to our guests. Um, there's a little comment card in front of you. If you'd like to have us contact you or would like us to know anything about you, please fill that out and just drop it in the, in the basket as you uh, make your way out the door. So I'm going to jump into things this morning. I want to kind of speed things up a little bit here. So fasten your seatbelts. I'm going to talk a little fast because there's a lot that I want you to know. And I want to be out of here before 2 o'clock, right? We're all in for that, right? Everybody, All those in favor, say aye. So, all right, just to remind you, our our guests that are here, I just want to tell you where we are, um, what we've talked about in the past, and what we're talking about at the moment right here. This message is titled Commit. Um, We're in the midst of a series that we've titled Kingdom, right? We've titled this segment Kingdom, where uh, we're discovering and learning how God describes both his kingdom and his promises to us. That's how he uses his word. And then he talks about how we fit into that. So when you see the word kingdom, um, I want you to think of a couple of different things. Um, Well, the other side of that, the other thing we talked about is covenant. We talked about how God's covenant works with us. So when you see the word covenant, covenant is like a promise. And God makes us these promises because He wants a relationship with us. That's why He created you, to have a relationship with us. When we talk about what's our purpose in life, our purpose in life is to have a relationship with God. God calls a covenant. So when you see the word covenant, I want you to think relationship because that's why God does the things that he does with us and for us is because he wants a relationship with us. And then the kingdom side of it, kingdom says it's our responsibility, our response, our responsibility to what God has done for us. So when you hear kingdom or talk about kingdom, that's really our responsibility. That's what God defines as our responsibility um, in the Bible. And so sometimes we forget that we have a responsibility in God's kingdom. We wanna be um, consumers in God's kingdom. We don't wanna be contributors to anything that's going on here. We just want to stand there and have God do all these things for us while we stand there and feel like, you know, we're misrepresented or we're falling short of what we are really looking for. So now as we're looking at God's kingdom, um, like I said, we forget that we have that responsibility, because, especially as Americans. I mean, we've got what we want. We've got what we need. And if you don't think that's true, just look around the world a little bit. We are the elite. We are the privileged ones that come around. So it's, it's difficult for us to turn to God sometimes for comfort when we look for comfort in other areas, and other areas in our lives. But it's important for us to remember that. And not only that part of it, but it, serving God is a privilege. It's not an obligation, right? It's not, a pri- it's not an obligation. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity for us to do these things. So now we're talking about God's kingdom. We're talking about our relationship with God. And this morning what I really want us to talk about, what I really want us to hear and to bring out the door with us is to understand that we have an obstacle between us and God in our relationship with God. There's an obstacle in our relationship with God. Anybody want to guess what that obstacle is between us and God? It's you. It's us we're the ones that are causing the problem with that relationship with God. We're the ones that get focused on different things, and we're the ones that get distracted and go in different directions and forget about that relationship with God. If you think about the relationships you have, the healthy relationships you have, there's a lot of communication, right? There's a lot of things going on with other people, but we don't do that. We rely on other things. Okay, so now I want to talk about that, about relying on other things. What are we committed to? What have we committed ourselves to? And in, in order to do that, we play uh, my favorite game show that I've invented here. Uh, my favorite game show and yours now is called, Who Dis? That looks like your Uncle Morty at the uh, 4th of July picnic, doesn't it? Shaking down fly balls in the softball game. No, this is a guy by the name of Yusef the Terrible Turk. Yusef the Terrible Turk, around 18, in the 1800s, 1890s. Um, he is a bad man. This guy is huge. Um, He was known for two things. No one could beat him because of a his size, and and he was rather tenacious in the ring, in the wrestling ring, right? They technically called it wrestling, but he went on a tour of Europe and was taking on national champions, right? And after the first match, they finally got it broken up. The guys came up on the ring, but then they had eight policemen that were standing around, big policemen standing around, ready to break up the wrestling match that was going on. It got so wild a couple of times that um, they actually asked his opponent in a wrestling match, they asked his opponent if, the opponent if he wanted to press charges against this guy for being so vicious in the ring. But, so 1898, did I say that earlier? 1898, he goes on this world tour, and he comes to America. Right? He comes to America, and he takes on the American champion at that time. Any trivia buffs out there? Who was the American wrestling champion in 1898? This guy, Evan the Strangler Lewis, Now, you don't have to be a physics major to understand that this guy's a lot smaller than that other guy, right? So the strangler had this chokehold. He had this uh, headlock that he put on his opponents, and his opponent would basically pass out, and he'd win the match. Well, suffice it to say, he wasn't able to use that move on this terrible Turk dude, right? So he lost the match, and the Turk was pretty full of himself. He was very, uh, almost on the verge of obnoxious, probably because of what he's been doing in his life. But um, he demanded, he got $10,000 for winning that. In 1898, he got $10,000, and he demanded it in U.S. gold because he said, not only am I taking your championship belt, I'm taking your gold with me. And for a couple of days, he wore this belt, and he had gold, all that gold stuffed in his belt. So he walked around with all this gold in his belt. Okay, now he's sailing back to Europe, right? He's going back to Bulgaria is where he was from. He's going back to Europe, and the boat that he's on collides with another ship and starts to sink, right? And it went down fast, went down in like a half an hour But the Turk said, you know, I'm I'm so tough and I'm so big, I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to swim for that other boat that we hit that was still kind of okay. Well, he hit the water with that $10,000 of gold around his belt and he sunk like a rock and that was the last anybody ever seen of him, right? So Turk was full of himself, disappeared. Now, what are we talking about here? That's a perfect example of being committed to something else. Right, being committed to something else, the stuff of the world, the money or the prestige that comes with that. And that guy sunk completely. I mean, even a situation as ridiculous as this one was, this guy was still clinging to earthly possessions rather than giving them up and saving himself. So that's my first question, my first point for you this morning is this. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you that, but what are you committed to? Now, if we asked that question while we're sitting here in these nice pews and comfortable and we're all here in church together, we'd probably have a different answer than if we asked you on Thursday night or Wednesday night or some other night of the week or some other place, right? What are we committed to? To help you figure that out, the textbook of, or of committed says this, feeling a dedication, a devotion, or loyalty to a cause, activity, or a movement, a dedication and devotion. What are you dedicated to? What are you devoted to? What do you have a loyalty to, Right? The Turk was dedicated and loyal and devoted to his money belt. That didn't work out so well for him, right? Should how, the question then we should really ask and we should answer right here is how should a commitment look for someone in a relationship with God? How does it, what does a commitment look like in somebody with a relationship with God? Psalm 28, uh, I'm sorry, 22a, 22a, I'll get it right yet. says, commit yourself to the Lord, right? This might seem rather self evident, commit yourself to the Lord, but that word commit is a, a special word in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word galel. The suffix lel is something I'll talk about another time, but it literally means uh, it's how I roll. It really literally means to be all in on something. Roll yourself, all in yourself to the Lord. We start thinking about it like that. We start to commit. I mean, it sounds like a casual a suggestion, right? Not commit something yourself to the guy, okay. Get to the part where he gives me the stuff that I'm looking for, right? But we start thinking about this is an all-in statement. It's not a halfway statement. This is an all-in statement, right? That's how I roll, right? So when we look in the Bible, we look at, uh, at covenant. We look at God's promises. We look at um, kingdom. That's the things that God is asking from us, right? We call them commands sometimes, but these are the things that God is asking from us. So we see covenant and kingdom in pretty much every verse of the Bible, believe it or not, when we start looking for it. And for that reason, I submit to you today's daily double in Psalm 37, uh, verse 5, says this. Commit your way to the Lord. That's kingdom. That's something that you do all in. Commit your way to the Lord. That's the same word we just looked at a second ago. Trust also in Him. That's kingdom. That's you doing that. Trust also in Him. And then He will do it for you, right? I've got it on the sign outside, something very similar to that, right? Commit your actions to the Lord, right? Almost the same thing there. It's Proverbs 16.3, by the way. So we talk about commitment. So now along those same lines with commitment, I want to talk about your priorities. I want you to talk about your priorities or think about your priorities. Right? Simply put, your priorities say this. What's the most important thing in your life? Right? What's the most important thing in your life? And again, if we took that survey sitting right here, right now, we'd say different answers, right? Because we're in that sterile environment, that church, we're all on the same page here. But what's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep or when you go into bed? What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? What are your priorities? What's important to you? So I'm keeping things a little bit lighter today because I want these guys to catch this message here. We do this in youth group every Wednesday night. I saw that. Yeah, all right. So, all right, keeping things lighter, let's play another round of My Favorite Game Show and yours. This is your favorite contestant on who it is. Yeah, I could put up Bugs Bunny, maybe that'd be an almost recognizable one, right? Vince Lombardi, still considered one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach of all time, right? He talked about commitment to excellence, right? He said, do your very best. He said, I know we can't reach perfection, but if we try for perfection, we're going to get excellence. So, let's go for it. Go for perfection, right? He made famous the quote, uh, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing, right? This guy, right? Committed to football, you would think. What's he think about when he goes to bed? Football. What's he think about when he gets up? Football. What's he think about all day? Football. But that's not exactly who Lombardi was. We quote Lombardi more than any other coach. I was thinking about that that this morning. Why don't we quote any other coaches? I mean, you go and look at Coaches, from, or quotes from coaches, and they're always going to be from Lombardi. For some reason, we just tagged on to him a little bit more. I got an amazing quote for him that he talks about priorities. When he was talking with his team, he said, every man in this locker room has a priority. And then he also said, before he told them, he said this, he said, do you know what your priorities are? And things I talk to these guys about over here is that if you don't figure out your priorities and get them lined up, somebody's going to figure them out for you. Your priorities will be figured out for you if you're not the one laying them out saying, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things that I'm going to be committed to, right? So what did Lombardi say about priorities? Check this out. That's a magic spell. There we go. He said, these are your priorities, God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. But the important thing is he said, in that order, right? In that order. We got verses that say, commit everything to God and then your plans will succeed. This quote came up so many times I had a hard time picking which picture to use with it. Check out this next one. This is where he's being carried off the field after winning the Super Bowl, right? This is where he said, these are your priorities. He said, if we're not right with God, he said, every man in this locker room, these are your priorities. God at the top, family, and then the Green Bay Packers. Because he said, if we're not right with God, the rest of it isn't going to matter. If you're not right with your family, the rest of it isn't going to matter. If we're going for perfection, if we're going for excellence, we've got to get these things lined up, and we've got to get these things in the right order. If we try to do this on the bottom up, he said it's not going to work. So you think about the guy that would think about football every night before he goes to bed, think about football when he gets up in the morning. He's actually got God at the top of his list of things to do today. Right? Like I said, he said to the men, there are three things important to every man in this locker room, God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. And we can't, he was lucky enough to put Green Bay Packers at the bottom, but we got to put something else. God, family, and what do you do for food, right? Or what do you do during the day, right? What is school, or whatever it is that you do. So i got a, a demonstration here on priorities that I want to show you this morning before we get to our confirmands. I brought in this, and this is going to help us understand uh, our priorities. It's going to help us line them up. I, bought, I brought three balls in here. But in a green one, a yellow one, and a red one. And these are going to represent different things in our lives, and we're going to try to line them up like it looks on the outside here. We're going to let the green ball represent money, stuff, right? Terrible Turk going down with his gold belt, right? And we're going to talk about the yellow one's going to be about family and friends, and then the red one, we, we consider the red one to be like Jesus, we're representing Jesus because of the blood that He shed for us on the cross. We use red for Jesus. Okay, so now if we were to line up our priorities, and like I said, if I gave you a questionnaire and said, what are your priorities of these three things? If we're sitting in this sterile environment right here, we're going to all say that money should be at the bottom of our priority list. Amen? amen. I'm sorry, amen? amen? And they're like, no, don't put that at the bottom. Put that more towards the top, right? Family and friends are very important, right? But if it's important between family and friends and Jesus, we'd have to say that on our priority list, Jesus has to be higher on our priority list. So we're going to put Jesus in, or I'm sorry, we're going to put family in next, right? And we're going to say that Jesus is at the top of our priority list. Amen? Okay, cool. So, again, that's what it looks like on the outside. Very nice and neat, and this is what we want people to see. But if we peeked on the inside, would that be what we would see? Would we see money at the bottom or would we see, you know, sometimes Jesus gets put at the bottom of our priority list and the other ones just kind of fill themselves in. But all right, so, all right, everybody gets a mulligan. Let's try this again. We're going to say that money goes at the bottom of our priority list, right? Money and things and stuff like that, right? Goes at the bottom of the priority list. We're going to say family and friends very important to us, but not as important. It's certainly more important than money and our stuff, right? So we're going to put family and friends in again. And now we're going to put Jesus in at the top of our priority list, right? So again, that's what it looks like on the outside. That's what we want people to see. But if we could peek inside of it, it'd be the same, right? We don't need a, let's just peek this time. See what our, how our priorities line up. And, you know, to be honest, you know, if we're completely honest, and I like to be completely honest in this room, um, if we're completely honest, there will be people that will tell you that you don't even need Jesus in your life, right? As long as you got enough money, we'll rely on that. And if you got enough friends, we can rely on that. So they'll tell you that we can take Jesus, just tuck him away here, right here, and then we can just maybe send him in this box over here. But that's not what God created us to be. That's not how God created us to be. Like Lombardi said, if we can get this straightened out, the rest of our life is going to straighten out. And this is exactly what God tells us. He tells us our priorities need to have stuff, money at the bottom. Family, very important, but not as important as our relationship with God. So then when we work on it and we try, and we try to see if we can get things figured out, the outside looks like this. Let's see if we can get the inside looking like it should be looking. You got green on the bottom. What do we say is gonna be in the middle? Yellow? What do we say was gonna be at the top? Well, we can't do it at the top. Oh, wait, we can. Alright. Not impressed with that? The first service applauded. I had to milk the crowd. <laughs> So here, I'll just say I'm just going to set it over here. Put Jesus first at the top of our priority list, and then God says everything else is going to take care of itself. Everything else will be added is how he says it. Put God at the top of our priority list above all else. So we could say this a lot of different ways, but I'm going to end it here. I'm going to say I'm going to let God speak for himself, and then I'm going to ask you a challenging question at the end. So what does God say about this? Proverbs 16, 3, right? Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Remember what that word commit means? All in. We say, that's how I roll, that's what I do. I have God at the top of my priority list all the time. So we all have a priority list. Whether you know it or not, you have a priority list. And so I'm going to leave you with this question. Is what's at the top of your list? Amen? Amen? Okay, so we're doing things a little bit differently today. I'm going to drag this.